0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Look with me this morning to Mark, the 12th chapter, in the 41st verse. Mark, chapter 12, in verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites. Which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples. And saith unto them. Verily I say unto you. That this poor widow. Hath cast more in. Than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they all did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. This morning, with the Lord being my helper, I want to preach to you about the widow's mighty might. The widow's mighty might. Now, this morning, I'm preaching to you about one of the most insignificant people and most insignificant events in the history of the temple in Jerusalem. And yet Jesus observed that it was uh, worthy of his comment. It was worthy of his mention both in Mark and in Luke. And he was watching her when this happened. And remember this comes on the heels of verses 29 and 30 where, uh, where Jesus was asked which is the great commandment of the law. And he said it's pretty simple Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. He says this is the first or the primary commandment. This comes on the heels of this. So what I'm going to preach to you about this morning, while it specifically has to do with giving, it's really a message about sacrificing for the kingdom of God. Paul the Apostle wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 that we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice before the Lord, uh, which is our reasonable service. It's not unreasonable for Paul to make that statement. It's not unreasonable for Jesus to make this claim. And it's not unreasonable for me to stand here and to preach about this to you this morning. Although, let me all go ahead and give you this little caveat. This is the message that every pastor hates to preach. <laughs> this is the message that no preacher, unless you're visiting somewhere, if you're visiting somewhere, you can preach it all you want to because you get to leave and then they can fuss at the pastor, see. But, uh, but this, is the, this is the message that every pastor hates to preach. It's about giving because no preacher who has got the right focus and has got the right mindset and has got the right heart for his people wants anybody to think that he's, he's in it for money. Or that he's preaching about money because he's greedy of filthy lucre. And beloved, I want to say a couple of little caveats ahead of time about this. Brother Buddy's made this statement before. He said the time to preach about something is not when it's a problem. Think about that. The time to preach about an issue or a matter that's in the Word of God that could potentially be a problem sometime is when it's not a problem if you're what you know elder sonny piles put it this way he said if i'm if i live at the top of a high cliff i'd rather build a high fence at the edge of the cliff than a first aid station at the bottom (laughs) you think about that isn't it a whole lot better to know about the problems the potential issues ahead of time than it is when it does become a problem and you got to go patching people up you know that's what we're here about so let me let me tell you a couple of things about this message this morning first of all We as a church are doing very well financially, okay? We are very blessed right now. We don't need you to give more money, okay? I'm not saying, you'll see what I'm getting at at some point, that that certainly we could all probably do more. But we're not here asking for money, okay? This is not a call for greater finance, Praise God this building is paid off by the grace of God by the mercies of God. So I'm not here saying, "Guys, we got to step it up because we're about to go under." <laughs> you know? And, and 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 listen. Also from a personal standpoint, you support me very well. I am satisfied. I am overly satisfied. I'm thankful. I'm not living in poverty and I'm not asking for more money for your pastor. Now, I will, just as an aside, say to you that I watched a YouTube video this morning about a preacher, I think out in Texas, who was asking his congregation to help buy him a $54 million jet. Now, it doesn't have to be $54 million, just a jet will do, if y'all want to buy me a jet. Uh, But that's another story altogether. I promise you, uh, we're not going to fall out if you don't. And I'm not going to hold my breath waiting on you to do that, by the way. (laughs) But seriously... This message is not about me or Brother Buddy or any other preacher. And it's not even really about the church because the church, praise God, is doing well. We've been so blessed both from the giving within the church and the gifts that come from without the church. And this is not about that. This is about you and God. That's what this is about, okay? So let's talk about, first of all, this situation here, and then I want to I I come back to some lessons from it. So first of all, let's look at the widow's mite, M-I-T-E, the widow's mite. Now notice what happened here. We've read it in your hearing. There was a box set up in plain view of all the people there at the treasury in the temple. It was apparently near the temple entrance. And, and notice that Jesus took a seat there. He sat down where he could see everyone who gave. And, and, and apparently what this was, according to history, it was just a big, like a, uh, some kind of container that people would come and they would cast their coins into it. Remember, there was no paper money back then. There was no paper money. So, so if, if, you were, um, if you were rich and you were going to give something, a big gift to the church, everybody would know it. <laughs> Because you were going to go over there, and it was going to sound like hitting the slot machine at Vegas. Ding, 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 ding. You know, it's just going to kind of, you know, you had a big, a big gift of a lot of coins, and people would hear that, and they would sit up and take notice, and they would see that. But if you were like this little widow, and all you had were, were two mites, two of the, by the way, this, this widow's mite was the smallest of all the coins of that day. If, I, if, if they're correct in some of the research that I did, it was like one sixty-fourth of a day's pay is what that widow's mite was. And it was the smallest of all the coins. So if you're the widow going by and you're casting a couple of little mites in, nobody's going to be paying attention. Nobody's going to be looking. But guess what? Jesus was. Jesus was. I'm sure the Pharisees, there had been, it says there were many that were rich had cast in much. I'm sure the Pharisees were sitting over there smiling and nodding and they'd hear a big slot machine type sound go off and they'd run over there and shake hands with that person and they would probably pat them on the back and say, oh, thank you so much, you've done great. Nobody is noticing the widow. Nobody cares about her. They can't even buy a a 64th of a day's wages. They can't even pay somebody to watch the door for for even just a portion of a day with what she put in. But Jesus noticed. Jesus was watching. And notice what he did. He called his disciples over there. He called his disciples over there. and, And he said, I want to point out to you specifically this poor widow woman who gave all she had to the temple work. Now, I want to also stop here and say that there may also have been some criticism in Jesus pointing this out. And I don't want to focus on that too much, but I want you to remember, we've just read in verse 40 about him criticizing the scribes and those who want the chief seats. It says they devour widows' houses and make long prayers for a pretense and that sort of thing. So... So there may have been some sense here of, listen, they're taking advantage of these poor widows. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But I'm telling you, Jesus uh, was was pointing her out for a variety of reasons. But one of the most important reasons, I believe, is because he noticed her great faith. And that she didn't just give, you know, her little two mites were nothing compared to the many coins put in by the rich, but yet he says to his disciples that she has given more than all the others who have given to the treasury. You see, beloved, when we start talking about giving to the church, and we start talking about uh, about, uh, giving money and giving of your substance and that sort of thing to the church, it's really not about how much. It's about how sacrificial you're giving, you see. So let's, all right, so that's the widow. That's the story of the widow and her M I T E, her might. But now I want to talk to you about the widow's might, M I G H T, about her power and about her giving, and I hope it'll be some lessons for us. So, first of all, we see here in this and other places the priority of giving. Did you know that Jesus emphasized giving? Throughout his earthly ministry, he talked more about money and not always just about giving, but about money and how to handle it. He talked more about money than about heaven and hell combined. There's all kinds of principles that he has talked about. Back over in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, listen to this. This is a general principle that he taught us about money. And about the fact that we need to keep a loose grasp on the material things of this world. Chapter 6 of Matthew and verse 19. How should I... You young men, you young ladies are looking for jobs. You're going to college. You're getting ready to, to get out into the world and to make a living. Go seek your fortune. How should you view seeking your fortune? How should you view your job in comparison to the spiritual things of this world? Well, listen to this. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where moth and dust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. How should you look at the treasures of this world? Your salary, your income, your living. Listen, I understand. Paul says if you want work, you shouldn't eat. There's a principle there of being a good uh, provider for your families and for, uh, for yourselves. Take care of, you know, be diligent. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. There is blessing in hard work. There is glory to God in hard work, but don't let your priorities get out of whack. Because if you're laying up for yourselves treasures on earth, there's the one place where he says they make themselves wings and fly away. The treasures of this world, will, they will rust, they will be moth-eaten. But he says in verse 20, lay up instead for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. See, now here's the danger, verse 21. This is the danger you're facing. We all face it. I especially faced it when I was a young man and first going into into private practice and then into the prosecution. It was so easy to get my priorities out of line because he says, where your treasury is, there will your heart be also. Look, you better work hard. You better get out there and provide for your family, but you better not put your treasure in your job or in your stuff because all that will go away. Your heart, your treasure needs to be in heaven. I'm thankful for the material blessings that God has given me. You ever bought a a new car? When I was younger, we bought a new car. I'll never buy another new car (laughs) because I've learned some lessons that, but we bought a new car. Boy, it smelled so good. Man, it was, it was a minivan. It, that new car smell, man, it was just it was awesome. I'd get in that car, and I was thinking, I got a new car. Boy, this is great. And it was great up until I started noticing the smell started going away. And we had young kids at that time, and other smells began to replace that new car smell. And we won't go any further with that. But I'll just say that it wasn't long before that new car smell was gone. And, and next thing you know, there was a problem with the headlight, and then there was a problem with the door, and then there was a problem with this or that or the other. Everything that I put my hopes in in that new car, eventually, uh, I'll say this much about it. When we went to trade it in, uh, I told the guy that we were getting ready to buy a not new car, a used car, and trade this one in on it. He said, yeah, we'll give you something on it. And I said, well, uh, you need to look at it first because you may make us pay you to take it. Uh and he said, No, no, that's no and he goes out and looks at it and he comes back. He said, uh, Brother Chris, he said, I've heard the statement running the wheels off a vehicle before, but I've never seen it till now. So we had just about run the wheels off that vehicle. That new car didn't last. It it was moth-eaten, it was rusted, it was corrupted. And so I learned a great lesson there. And I I, I knew then and, and and just needed to be retaught the lesson that you don't put your treasure into the things of this world, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And when your treasure is moth-eaten, when your treasure is corrupted, then your heart will be disappointed. Oh, but the treasures of heaven, the place where I'm looking for to go, the treasures that are laid up for me there, they'll never be taken away. They'll never be moth-eaten. They'll never be corrupted. see, the idea that Jesus has given us here is that we don't need to get caught up in the worldly view of treasures. Paul talks about it over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And this is what he says there in chapter 6 and verse 9. He says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You ever been working at a job and you feel like you're just drowning? I've been there. I've been there, I feel like it's, the water's going over my head. And you know, the reason for that was because instead of taking joy in the labor, because it was working unto God, I was taking, uh, putting all my hopes in the labor in order to lay up treasures for myself here. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Notice he didn't say money is the root of all evil. We don't believe that here. We believe that money is necessary Especially in our capitalistic society, it's necessary to make a living. But the love of money is the problem. The, when, that's all you, when you hold tightly to the money that the Lord has blessed you with, to the material things that the Lord has blessed you with, and you begin to covet after it, it says you will err from the faith. The love of money is the root of all evil, which some, while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many arrows. Don't do that, beloved. That's our general attitude toward our material things and giving of them. So talking specifically about giving and the priority of giving that Jesus places on it. Notice, as we've already said, when these folks were putting money into the treasury, coins into the treasury, and that little widow put her two mites into the treasury, Jesus was watching. Jesus was watching. Don't, don't miss that point, beloved. You know, we here don't do it that way. We have a box here. If you want to put money in that, you can certainly do that. You can hand it to somebody, but we don't make a big show of, of giving to the church. But let me tell you, nobody may see what you give, but Jesus does. Jesus is watching, you see. And, and he commended he commended this widow. You know, it, look, that's another point from here. It's assumed that we will give. It's assumed that people will give to the treasury, see. He didn't condemn that. He didn't condemn those that gave much. He didn't condemn the rich that gave a lot of their substance. He just commended the widow who gave it all. Back over in earlier in this chapter, he says, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are God's. It's assumed that there's some things that we're to render to God. And another point about the priority given is giving is a not about how much. Because as we've already said, hers is an insignificant amount in comparison to others. But Jesus esteemed it the greatest of all. Beloved, remember this. There is no status connected with how much you give to the church. You say, well, I don't give very much, so I must not be much of a church member. That's not what the Bible teaches. Well, I give a lot, so I must be one of the greatest church members. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's no status connected with how much you give. Now, listen, it's good to give a lot. If you have it to give and you can give it, you ought to give it a lot, but that doesn't mean your gift is any better than anybody else's. See, the message this morning, beloved, it's not about giving more, but it's about giving better, giving more faithfully with the right mindset, the right perspective. So let's talk about for a few minutes the process of giving. I get this question sometimes, how should I give? How should I do this? Well, According to the word of God, you should give regularly. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse one, let's read what Paul says here about giving. First Corinthians 16 and verse one, he says, "Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. In other words, what he's saying here is there should be a regular time in our lives when we set aside a a portion of our goods, a portion of what the Lord has prospered us with, we set that aside for the Lord and to give uh, in the right way. You see, the idea here is that there is a regular assessment of what God is blessing you with and that out of that blessing, you're to be a blessing to others. Now, let me just stop here and say this. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what we're talking about? This is not about the church. This is not about the preacher. This is not even really about you except in as much as you recognize that God has blessed you. See, that's what it's all about. This regular giving. See, when, when, I, when I sit down regularly and assess what the Lord has blessed me with, that gives me another occasion to praise the Lord. When I sit down regularly and on a weekly basis and say, okay, this week is, I've been blessed with this amount of, of, of pay or this amount of gifts or whatever there is, and I can say, well, my goodness, praise the Lord. He has blessed me once again. He hadn't failed me yet. <laughs> we should give regularly. We should also give promptly, promptly. And this idea here is the idea of first fruits. Now I know what you're going to say. No, I I don't mean you. I know I know I know what some people will say, but is it well, brother Chris, we're not under the Old Testament law? And and that was under the Old Testament law. That's not exactly right. See, the first fruits, the idea of the first fruits giving predated the law. The law codified it, but it was already in place. Notice back in Genesis chapter 4, the 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 story here, the account here of Cain and Abel. And it says in verse uh, 3, it says, In process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Notice that Apparently, Adam and Eve had been instructed by God himself in the necessity for giving and how it was to be done, and they had passed it on to their sons about what was to happen. Now, I don't know what portion of the fruits of the ground that Cain brought, but apparently it wasn't the firstlings of his his crops. But we know that it was the firstlings of the flock of, of Abel that, that was brought. You see, Abel was taught to give of the first fruits. Now, later on, that's codified uh, over in uh, Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, we'll just turn there right quick and see, uh, read it in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 10. I believe it is. Uh, this is what it says about the first fruits. It says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he goes on to talk about what the priest is to do with it. But notice that it's codified there that you don't wait till the end of the crop. As soon as the crop comes in, we bring the first fruit. They were to bring the firstfruits offering and to bring it to the to the to the priests to bring it to the service of the Lord. And by the way, that that word that word firstfruits there literally means promise to come promise to come you know christ is called the first fruits of them that sleep the first fruits of them that that died his his resurrection is the first fruits that's the promise that there's more to come that's the promise that the resurrection of all of his people is coming in proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 we read this honor the lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now, I don't want to get into the promise yet, but I do want to read this to you. Listen to verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. We're going to see in a minute, there's some power to giving. There's some promises to giving. And there's some now I'm not I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. I'm not telling you, give me a hundred dollars, you'll get a thousand. I mean, you can give me a hundred, but you probably don't get a <laughs> thousand. You can give me a 1000 but you probably don't get 10000 okay? <laughs> you might. You might. Who knows? The Lord will bless you. I'm not saying that never happens, but I'm telling you that's not what we preach here at this church. We do not preach some kind of name it and claim it gospel, and that's not what giving is all about. We're going to see that in a minute. But notice what this means. This means that if we're giving the first fruits of our increase, that means we're not giving God what's left over. We're not waiting and paying all the bills and then seeing if there's anything left. I've I've taken that approach before. You know what happens? There's never anything left. Never anything left. You see, the first fruits giving has to do with sitting down and figuring out how has the Lord blessed me and let me go ahead out of this blessing that He's given me and out of the promise that He is going to bless me more and out of the, the faith that I have in His blessings, I'm going to go ahead and give to Him what, uh, what I'm supposed to give. In Malachi chapter 3, I want to come back to this at some point, but in Malachi chapter 3, I want you to notice what uh, the prophet calls them to account about. In verse 8, After telling them in verse 6, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. In verse 8 he says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, he says. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. He says, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And he goes on to tell them about bringing tithes into the storeroom. And, And what he's what he's saying to us is, is he said you're bringing the uh, and he do, he doesn't say it right here, but he's talking about bringing in the halt and the lame, and he's talking about not bringing the first fruits, but bringing in that part of 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 their uh, of their uh, uh, crops that are that are marred. That are, you know it's easy to give a, a, a limping calf to the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> you want to get rid of that one anyway. That's not what giving's all about, beloved. We're to give promptly of our first fruits. And you know what? I promise you, this, isn't a, this is not a message that you should leave here saying, okay, I guess I'll do what the preacher says and go away sad. God doesn't like that. He said, he said we're to give cheerfully. We're to give, give cheerfully. First Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Listen to this. I, I love this, by the way. You're going to see in a minute what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 7, verse 6, just to start at the context. But this I say, <clears throat> he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now let every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. If you go away from this message and say, oh, I guess I'm going to give it, but boy, I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to up what I'm giving to the church. <laughs> I'm going to give more. I don't want you to do that. Don't do it. Don't give more. Don't give any more than you've been given. If you had not been given anything, don't give anything. If you're going to come in here with gritted teeth and try to lay it up here and, 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 and Brother Glendon's going to have to snatch it out of your hand, you're not going to let it go because he's going to, you know. That's not what he's talking about. God loves a cheerful giver. You know what the Greek word there is? Hilaros. Hilaros. You heard of hilarious? Hilarious. That's our word, hilarious. It comes from that Greek word. In other words, we ought to be be joyful about it. When something's hilarious, I'm laughing about it. I'm enjoying that. If I've seen something that occurs in life and it's hilarious, man, I'm having a good time. And so when you go to give to the Lord, when you go to give to the church, you ought to be in a state of hilarity. You ought to be excited. You ought to be joyous. It ought to be a great time saying, I have given to the Lord. (laughs) I've given to the Lord. Because guess what? Sometimes we think we're giving back. God what we have we're giving to God what we have but you know all we're doing is we're giving back to God what he's given us you see we should give cheerfully and something else very important I believe you you remember the situation here with the with the folks that were publicly giving and making a big noise about it they were casting in their coins and it was making a lot of noise one of the things about our giving and how we should give is we should give quietly. Quietly. I give to the church, and I know you give to the church. I don't want anybody to know what I give. I don't want anybody to know what I donate. I know many of, uh, none of you are that way. I know, you know, here a while back, uh, a few years ago, we got a, we got a huge donation. From outside the church, and it was anonymous. They didn't want anybody to know who it was. Now that's the kind of giving we're talking about. Matthew chapter six, in ver again in verse uh, verse one, he said, "Take heed." This is Jesus talking now. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them; otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. In other words, when you give and tell everybody what you've given, then you're getting your reward. You're getting the praise of men. Everybody says, oh, wow. Boy, that's great, Brother Buddy, Brother Mackey, Brother James. That's Boy, that's pat you on the back, you know. You're not going to get a reward from God because you've got your reward here. He said, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, and that word alms is... It's where we get our word eleemosynary, and they're called, some of these, there are organizations, charitable organizations under the law are called eleemosynary organizations. They're, they're corporations that are charitable, and it comes from this, this almsgiving here. He says, when ye now doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hy- hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. The glory of men is what they're getting. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. You see, we're to give regularly, we're to give promptly, we're to give cheerfully, and we're to give quietly. Okay? Now, the other question I get is, how much? How much should I give? Well, let me, let me just remind you, first of all, that that's not the point of this, of this message. It's not about how much, okay? It's not about how much. This, this widow's mite, her two mites, were insignificant compared to others. I don't believe it's so much about how much as a, as a figure. It's about how we approach it. These rich men were no doubt giving 10% because that was what was required under the law of the tithe. But notice that the widow gave 100%. So which one's better? Jesus said the widow's better. Now, again, that's not what we're here to preach about this morning. You're not required to give 100% of your your living to the church. But under the Levitical law, there was the law of 10%, the law of tithing. And and by the way, let's go back to Leviticus, I'm sorry, to Numbers chapter 18 for just a minute because I want to remind us again what the purpose of giving is even under the tithe, under the law's tithe. In Numbers chapter 18 and verse 20, this is what it says. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no, no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. Now remember, Aaron was a, of the Levitical tribe, the tribe of Levi. And, and, and if you'll remember... All of the tribes of Israel got a portion of land except the Levites. They were to be the priests, and there was no land given to them. They got no lot of inheritance, and so the tithe is what supported them. It says, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. You see, in the time of the law, the Levites didn't have any property. They didn't have any money, really, but they got a tenth of all the others to support them so that they could do the work that the Lord had given them to do. Under the Levitical law, there was this tithe that was required. It was a percentage giving. Beloved, I believe that's the pattern that we ought to follow in the New Testament today. Percentage giving. And it goes way back, you see. It goes back to the idea of the first fruits. You remember, I won't turn there and read it, but go back sometime and read Genesis chapter 14. After the slaughter of the kings, Abraham comes up to a man named Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem or Jerusalem, king of peace. He was a type of Christ. And Abraham gave a tithe of all that he had to this uh, to this king, he gave a percentage of all he had to this king, and, and that was predating the law. You say, "Well, we're not under the law, and we're not. We're not under tithing. I don't. We're, no way, no how are we required under under some law to get to tithe like they did under the under the Old Testament way?" But listen, this this idea of a percentage, giving a percentage of what the Lord has blessed you with, is a good rule of thumb to follow because it's been followed throughout the whole of the Old Testament, and Jesus even endorsed it in the New Testament. He said, he said you, you tithe, told the Pharisees in Matthew, you tithe all these things, and you ought to do it, you ought to do, but you ought to do some other things too. It's not all about the tithe. I'll never forget what Brother Richard Vaughn said. I'll never forget this. He, he, he made the statement one time. I don't remember if it's in a message or in a private conversation, but uh, when I was a kid, he said, if the law demanded it, grace deserves it. If the law demanded it, grace deserves it. So if you ask me, preacher, what should I give? I'm going to recommend that you look at the old percentage giving. 10% is a good round figure, but you're not limited. If you want to give 20, <laughs> you can. <laughs> you want to give 50, you can. But, but whatever you give, it should be regularly. It should be promptly. It should be cheerfully. It should be quietly as you purpose in your heart. With these guidelines to help us you see there's no law anymore that you've got to give x percent but you ought to consider that as we go through and we learn about about giving so let's talk about the purpose of giving we just have a we have a few minutes left first of all what is it what it's not about what it's not about giving is not about gaining an advantage I gave a greater amount, so I get a greater say in how things run at this church. That's not what it's about, beloved. That's not what it's about. How many times have we said these kinds of things to you? It ain't about you. (laughs) It ain't about me. None of this is, beloved. It's not about the recognition of men. It's not about blowing a trumpet in front of you. It's not about going down there to be seen of men as the Pharisees did. That's not what it's about. The primary purpose, the true purpose of giving, back over in Deuteronomy chapter 14, I believe, encapsulates that the best. In Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 22, I want you to listen to this. Thou shalt truly tithe, okay? Can't deny we're talking about giving here, right? This is under the law. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn and of thy wine and of thine oil and the firstlings of the herds of thy flocks. Why? That thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. You know what the whole purpose of giving of our substance to the church, and not just to the church, in charitable ways, to other folks that are in need. You know what the whole purpose of that is? It's that you and I may learn to fear the Lord always. Whenever I write a check and place it into the, 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 the coffer there, or whenever I do something to help somebody else out, it reminds me that I'm not all there is to this world. I, I am not my own. I am bought with a price. We're, we're bought with a price. Think about what Jesus gave. Now, listen, I don't care if you give 10% or 2% or 100%. I do care if you give 100%. Don't give 100%, okay? Yeah, we, we don't want to have to support you, all right? <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, uh, uh, I don't care what you decide on to give. But let me tell you something, beloved. You won't ever touch what the Lord Jesus Christ gave. Jesus came down and he said, Well, I'm going to give my 10% and go back home. I'm going to come down here and I'm going to I'm going to give 50% and then I'm going to go back home. I'm going to give 90%. No, he didn't give 10 or 50 or 90 he gave 100 percent he gave up all of his glory in heaven to come down here and become like you and i just not a sinner and he came here to be a man and to walk the dusty roads of this graveyard earth and to to go to a calvary's cross and to suffer like no man has ever suffered to even be separated from his father he gave it all beloved you can't ever outgive him I don't care what you decide to give, beloved, you'll never outgive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the true purpose of giving. Now, there's things that the church ought to do with what's given. I'm not going to take too much time to go into that. That's another message. But first and foremost, it's the support of the ministry. That is the support of getting the gospel out there. See, we're not some kind of, we're not even a charitable organization. Do you know that? We're not even a, we're not a business entity. We're a gospel church. We are a New Testament church. And our whole purpose, everything, we should spend and be spent in, in, in spreading the gospel out there. And helping those ministers that are doing that, helping your pastor, your other ministers, those that are, it, in, it involves uh, radio ministries, which we don't have, but we do have an internet ministry. We're doing, we're doing spending money towards that, and we're helping to get the gospel out there. Anything to promote the gospel that's within the bounds of what the Bible says we should do, we should be focused on that. Also, the upkeep of the building although that's secondary to getting the Bible. If, if, if you have a choice as a church in spending money to, to fix the building or spending money to, to make the gospel go out, then we need to let the building fall down and get the gospel out there, okay? Because that's our primary purpose. Now, praise God, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to do that here. And I don't believe the Lord makes us make, <laughs> he doesn't make us choose like that very often. But I'll tell you this, beloved, we could be meeting in a den or a cave and be doing even a greater work than, than meeting in a cathedral somewhere, you see. And, of course, also charity. We're to be charitable. We're to help those in need. We're not a savings institution. We're not a bank. We're not an investment club. We're not supposed to accumulate. We're not supposed to waste. We're good to be good stewards of God's blessings, but we're not supposed to waste them, but we're not supposed to hoard it up either. We're supposed to spend and be spent in the service of the Lord. You see, as we bring this sort of to a close, the principle of stewardship is fundamental to everything I've been preaching to you this morning. You don't really own anything, you're just borrowing it. If you think you own it, just wait till you're, the time when you're laid out in a casket and see how much you get to take with you. Brother Tim always said, You don't see, you know, you heard the saying, you don't never see a U haul behind a hearse. Well, I'm not going to go into it, but he was on a trip one time and he, with the mosses, and they actually saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul, but that's another story. But I guarantee you the U-Haul stopped at the funeral home. It didn't go any farther than that with the person that was in the hearse. See, we're not giving God anything. He tells us in Psalm 50, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. Don't be presumptuous and say, oh, we're going to give to the Lord what he needs. No, the Lord doesn't need anything. He owns everything. The gold and the silver are mine, Haggai tells us. The world is his, and the fullness thereof, the Psalms tell us. But I want us to to close this morning thinking about the power of giving. The power of giving. Because this little widow had power. At least enough power to cause the Lord to sit up and take notice. Back over in Malachi, we've already been there in the third chapter, but I want you to. Notice, there's only one place in the Word of God where we're told to to test God, to try Him. Only one place. And I just read to you about robbing God through the tithes and offerings. But verse 10 of Malachi chapter 3 says, Okay, now let's switch gears and you get it right. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And now listen to this, I love this. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, beloved, I know there are many ministers in the world that abuse that verse and lie about that verse and twist that verse. But I want to tell you, beloved, that verse is not some other denominations verse that's a primitive Baptist verse okay that's a godly verse that is God's verse and what he's saying to you is this trust me do what I say and that doesn't just apply to giving that applies in every situation in every case in your life just trust the Lord and see if he's not going to bless you That doesn't mean that if you come down here and you write a check for $200 and you put it in the treasury that you're going to get $2,000 tomorrow. You You may lose another $200. I don't know, but I'm telling you, you will have blessings unlike any that you've ever experienced. They may not be material blessings. They will be spiritual blessings, though. I know I've told you this before. I went through a period where I quit giving. I just said I can't afford it. I can't afford to do it. And I tell you, it was some of the most miserable time of my life. I kept kind of trying to wonder why I was putting my, my salary into a bag with holes in it. I'd come back, and all the stuff I would saved up, it was like the Lord had blown upon it. You know, there's precedent for that. Hey, guy says that that's what's going to happen if you don't focus upon the Lord's work. And then, you know, I said, well, I can't afford to give. Well, beloved, I've learned I can't afford not to. <laughs> Praise God. He blesses me when I finally got back to doing what He said again. And I'm not telling you I'm giving this huge amount. I'm not talking about what amount I give. But I have just purposed in my heart to give regularly, to give promptly, to give cheerfully, to give quietly. And beloved, I'll tell you, it's been a great, great blessing for me. A great blessing. You know, the Lord said, try me. Prove me. Test me. And I'll show you what it's like. Luke chapter 6. Oh, I love this verse. Luke chapter 6 and verse verse 38. This is Jesus talking. You say, preacher, I understand in the Old Testament the Lord was doing this. What about the New Testament? Listen to this. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with, it shall be measured to you again. (laughs) Isn't that sweet? Now, that's not just talking about giving to the church here. That's talking about giving and being a giving person out there. And I'm not just talking about giving to the church this morning. Again, we're we're not in need. We're blessed right now. I'm not here trying to tell you, you need to up your ante here. No, beloved. You just need to reassess your life, just like I do. This has been a convicting sermon for me to sit down and reassess where I am. Am I focusing upon the right thing when I give? It's not about the amount. It's about how. It's about your mindset. It's about your, your approach to it. It's about loving God. You know, it's often said that you can determine the priorities in your life by looking at your calendar and your checkbook. Looking at your calendar and your checkbook, where you go and what you focus on in your economic life. Romans again, chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye you present your your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He's just saying, guys, you need to make a self-assessment on a regular basis. You go to the doctor for a checkup, right? You need to go to the word of God for a Spiritual checkup from time to time. And that's all this is this morning. I hope everyone understands and is not offended by this message. Although, if it is offensive to you, then, then I, I believe I've tried to stay on the, what the Word of God says. If I've said something apart from that, then just please chalk it up to me. But you know what? Preachers aren't exempt from this. <laughs> In fact, we're supposed to set the example. So what about this little widow? This little insignificant, poor widow woman? She was mighty in the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't mention anybody else that day in a positive way. Just the mighty widow and her mighty might. May we be living in such a way and the stewards that we ought to be such that the Lord might notice us. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.